This message by Jake Simmons was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Jake serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Proverbs 18, one verse, verse 10. Proverbs, it's a collection of wisdom. It's written by various authors, but a good portion of these Proverbs was written by King Solomon. Our verse this morning was penned by King Solomon, the son of David. He was the king of Israel. Solomon was a great king. He had a great army at his disposal. He was a man who knew what security was. He had great riches, so he had very few things to worry about in his life. Yet, there was only one place where Solomon felt truly safe. There's only one place that Solomon would go and find true security. And we have heard about it and have already been talking about it this morning. And it is the name of his God. It is his God. The God who established the line of David. The God who formed the people of Israel. The God whose temple Solomon built so that this people might worship him. So with that in mind, let's read together. Read with me as I read Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The grass wither, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen? Amen. I wanted to begin this morning with asking you a question. What are you currently running from? Is there something in your life that you feel, I am just running from this thing? It could be financial. It could be debt that you have collected over the years and you feel like you're just constantly trying to get out of debt. Is it a besetting sin that maybe you're struggling with, that you just can't seem to evade and you can't conquer, like even Bill prophesied about this morning and encouraged us with. Is that, are you running from that? Is there just an ongoing conflict in your marriage, maybe with your spouse, with your kids? It could be at work. There just, conflict seems to follow you and pop, out where, pop up wherever you go. Is it just the weariness of this year? You're just trying to get away from all that has occurred this year. You're just weary and you're just trying to run from it. Well, the reality is we're all running from something. And so much of our lives can be focused on what we're running from. But I think this morning, I believe what God wants to do, He wants to redirect our eyes and tell us here is who we are running to. It's not going to be so much about here is what we're running from, but here is who we are running to. And while there is no promise that as we change the perspective or change what we're looking at in our circumstances, there is the promise that we can begin to reevaluate and see our circumstances differently. That even in the midst of what we are running from, there is still true safety to be had. As we look at and as we know God, He promises to be our help. And as we look to the Lord and pursue Him, our answers and solutions for what success looks like in these various 
in these various areas will change. Discouragement will give way to hope. Discontentment will lead to true satisfaction. Anger will lead to patience. Shame will finally be lifted. That is who, that is the God we are running to. That is the God that we are called to pursue. And his promised safety is what we can have. So here's the invitation we have from God this morning. Set your eyes on God and pursue him. Let's set our eyes on God and pursue him. And we have three God-centered truths from Proverbs 18.10 to encourage our pursuit of him. First, we pursue God because he is true to his name. We pursue God because he is true to his name. Now, when you hear the name Titanic, where does your mind immediately go? Titanic was a ship that sunk in 1912. I assume most of us know that, but when you hear the name Titanic, where does your mind go? Well, I'm assuming that it is an image of a boat sinking, images or words of failure, tragedy, maybe iceberg, death, Great triumph followed by even greater tragedy, disaster. Captain Edward John Smith was attributed, he was the captain of the Titanic, to have said, even God couldn't sink this ship. One bishop, after the fact, he was quoted as saying this about the Titanic. Titanic, name and thing will stand as a monument and warning to human presumption. I share that because in our text this morning, we have no concern when we hear and know about the name of our Lord. There are things in this world that have been man-made and created. Even the greatest of things, like the Titanic, which was said was unsinkable, could never sink, but it did. But the name of the Lord is sure. So when we think about or when we hear the name of our God, what we can have is confidence. What we can have is hope. What we can have is assurance that God is good and that he is safe and he is secure because he is true to his name. So Solomon, when he says the name of the Lord, what what he's getting at is don't just focus on his name, but focus on who God is. It reminds us of who God is. It reminds us of what he has done. And so this this imagery of a tower, this imagery of a safe place, he wants to communicate to us this morning this image of refuge. We have a strong tower that has great power and protection. Now, that may be hard for us to understand in in a time like ours, but when Solomon was writing, towers and castles were a big deal. They provided protection to people who were vulnerable. These were places where people would turn to feel safe. And so he's attributing the same safety to the name of the Lord. And so he's talking about the essence of God, his character. And if you look at Proverbs 18, if you look at verse 10... The way that the name of the Lord, that name is written, this is referring to Yahweh, to God's covenant name, 
to the name that he told when Moses asked him, Lord, tell me, if these people ask, in whose name am I coming? God said, well, you tell them, I am who I am has sent you. You are coming in my name. You are coming in the name above every name. You are coming in the name of the God who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The name above every name is sending you to represent me to these people. And so the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The testimony of Scripture is of a faithful God preserving and keeping an unfaithful people. And so as we read the Bible, as we see the faithfulness of God, it's not because God was lonely and needed us. It's not because we are such good people that God had remained faithful to us. No, God's faithfulness has preserved is because God made a promise. And God, when God makes a promise, when God says that this is what I'm going to do, then he does it. And there is nothing that can get in his way. There is no one who can stop him. And so what you see is that the promises that God has made to his people time and time again, no matter what occurs, is that he has remained faithful. Because he is a strong tower. Man in his sin has been trying to create towers and trying to be bigger than God and be more powerful than God. But what the story of Scripture is, is that there is no one greater than the God of the Bible. You look at the Tower of Babel. When those towers were built, God will bring them down. He will destroy them because he is committed to his name. He is committed to his name, and and that is the same name that we are invited to find shelter and refuge in. He is true to his name. We want to run to this God. The wonderful thing is, is that Scripture says is that it is impossible for God to lie. So if God has said, if you run to me and you will find safety and you will be my people and I will be your God, then we can go knowing that he will not lie. That he will be, that he will keep his promises. That he will do what he says he's going to do. Isn't that so nice? Isn't it so good in our day and age that we can go somewhere and know that there the promise will be fulfilled. That there, that which was promised and given to us, that will be kept. We have seen this in our God time and time again. The God of the Bible, he's not just some hero or myth. He's the creator and sustainer and ruler of all that is. He, the heavens testify to his glory. He has made you and me in his image. He exists without beginning. He is self-sufficient. He's depend, dependent on nothing. He has never failed, nor has any personal flaw. He is, ne- he is never confused or overwhelmed. He can move mountains, yet he is tender and gentle and kind. He has the power to judge and condemn, but he delights to forgive. He demands allegiance, but graciously gives power through his spirit and and his grace for us to obey him and to enjoy him and to know him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He is true to his name. So brothers and sisters, we have to ask ourselves this morning, is this the God that you have set your eyes on? Is this the God whom you love to delight in and find refuge in? 
Is this the God that you find yourself running to? That you find yourself with, with this instinct that I'm going to run to this God? Because the reality is, the follow-up question to that is, is well, no, not, I don't really see myself going after this God. Well, then the question is, which God or what thing are you running to? Because the reality is the Christian life is, or just our lives in general, we're not stagnant. We're always going to something. We were created by God to worship Him. So there is worship in our heart. There's something in us that loves to pursue it and find our identity in it and get our worth from it. And so God, He graciously calls us to Himself and reveals Himself to us. But at times we can deny him and we can go to other things and they're not just other things they're lesser things they are God's substitutes that promise much but can't deliver a single bit that promise to quench our thirst but will leave us thirsty scripture calls us that we, we need to sit down we need to consider we need to ask these questions of our heart proverbs 4:23 through 27 encourages us to guard our hearts it says keep your heart with all vigilance for from it it flows the spring of life put away from you cro- crooked speech and put devious talk far from you let your eyes look directly forward your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Where are your, pe- where are your feet taking you? What path are you on? Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And you may feel, how do I do that? Well, God's word is a mirror. That's what I love about scripture. God's word is a mirror. It helps us to correctly and accurately see ourselves. We don't listen to what the world has to say. We don't listen to maybe what entertainment has to say or the people we like to follow on Facebook. No, we go to God's word. His is the opinion that we care most about. His is the judgment and the mirror which is truly accurate that we really need to see. And at times we may not like what we have to see, but we need to face it because God is inviting us not just to show us who we truly are, but he's also wanting to lead us and show us where we can be. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You can run to Him and we can be safe. The world is going to lead you back to yourself. You can do this yourself. You can trust yourself. You need to think better about yourself. What the Bible is going to say is that you need to lose your own life and find it in something bigger than you. And you need to find it in me. Because when you lose your life and find it in my life, oh, then you will find your life. Our God is great. He is true to his name. We can run to him and pursue after him. And the amazing thing is that God has made a way for us to do this. That leads to our second point. He he has made a way to himself. He has made a way to himself. In the book of Proverbs, there are two paths set before which the reader can choose. It's the path of wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord. And it's the path of the fool who doesn't fear God, but chooses his own way, and it ultimately leads to death and judgment. Listen to Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And this 
is the story of mankind. We all love to go our own way. One example that came to my mind as I was preparing is, this starts at a very young age. I can be driving our car, knowing exactly where we need to go, taking the family exactly where the destination where we need to be at at this time, and then I can hear from the back one of my sweet children, usually about four years old, hey dad, are you sure this is the right way? Sometimes I get, hey, you need to take a right here. And I'm like, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, have you, do you know how to drive? I'm like, it's like, you need to be a four-year-old and just enjoy the ride. You got a comfy car seat. You're just, you got cheerio. You're happy. Just enjoy the ride. But it's even at an early age, isn't it? We want to. We want to go our own way. We want, we want, to, we want that control. We want to kind of step in and, and say, like, no, 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 maybe not this way, but let's go this way. It's, it's in every one of our hearts. God has given us the best way, but we can deny His way and choose our own. And the, and the world wants to encourage us to deny God's way and follow theirs. Follow the way of the fool. And so we can't look to the world and the false systems of redemption that it promises to bring about to help us. We can't put our hope in the government or education or sociology or psychology. All promise to deliver, but human systems, they cannot redeem us. They don't go deep enough. They, they, they only can deal with what's on the surface. When we go to God, God is going into our hearts. He is saying that the problem of mankind goes much deeper than what we think. It actually goes into the, our very nature, our hearts, that we have sinned against God. And we are under His judgment. And we are running not just against other people. We are actively rebelling against Him and hating Him. We have sinned against this God. At the end of the help, what we need is not more help. What we need is to be rescued. You have to remember that. What we need is not more help. What we need is to be rescued. What's amazing is that God has made a way to Himself so that we can know Him and pursue Him and be rescued. Notice that our, our text that says that the righteous man runs into it and is safe. The righteous man runs into it, runs into God's name, into his tower, and is safe. Righteous here does not mean that this man is in and of himself without sin. Doesn't mean that the only the only one who can do this are those who are right, who only do right. So, well, that kind of says none of us, so there's no hope for us. No, that's not what this is saying. What, what's trying to be conveyed here is recall Job and Noah. They were described this way because of their faith and confidence in the Lord. So Job 1.1, There was a man in the land of, of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God. What is the beginning of wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. Job feared God and turned away from evil. 
Genesis 6, 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And so this, this idea of the, the one who is righteous is the one who fears God and walks with God. And so this, the righteous man here, it is still a man who is walking and trusting and resting in God. So it's not about the man. It's about the God that he trusts and that he's running to. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. It was because this man fears the Lord and that they are walking with God. So it is not the inherent righteousness of the person running that we should focus on, but on the righteousness and goodness of the character of God. It is on God that we are running to. It is on God who has made it able for us to run for him. We have to remember that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We go our own way, yet God has made a way for us to get to him. That is the good news of the gospel. We have denied God of his creative power, of his goodness, and we have gone our own way. Yet God in his mercy has still pursued us and come after us and said, I am still going to make a way for you to be near and with me, to have fellowship with me. And so, so when we read here, the righteous man runs in to this tower and to the safety of God. We have to remember that this is a righteousness that is by faith. It is not a righteousness that is acquired, that is done in and of ourselves, but it is a righteousness that is in another. That so as we look to this God, the one who is faithful to his promises and has been and always will be, then it's as we look to him that he encourages us to run after him and be with him. So it's, it's, it's a righteousness of another. It's a righteousness that is brought about by faith. It's not about how fast you can run. It's not about your time. It's not about that you didn't have to run very far. I only ran away a little bit. So, I, I, you know, my running, it was a good time. My story of redemption, I've lived a good life. I've loved God well. I'm a good person. No. The Bible says we're all dead in our sin. And that now God has given us the gift of life. And has given us eyes to see so that we can run to him and know him. All we have done in our sin is exchange the glory and safety of our God for creative things. And yet God in his mercy has continually and faithfully pursued man. Inviting them to come. Showing and conveying his love. Proclaiming his name to his people. Jesus came to bring salvation. He is the one that we needed to bring us to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And what did Jesus come to do? Well, he came to make a way. And he came to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to those who believe. We are the recipients of this grace. This is what I love about this fortress. This is what I love about how God does things is that God, this is the, the gates of this fortress, the gates of this castle, they're always open. Don't you love that? They're always open. 
They're not closed. I don't have to come to this castle, to this fortress, to this tower, this bulwark of safety behind that door is where God is. I don't have to come knocking and asking, hey, can I come in today? I read my Bible and said a few prayers. I didn't get angry today. No, the gates are wide open. The invitation is to come. The invitation is to come and be with God. Come and find safety. Come and confess your sins. But as you come in, what you will see is all are welcome. And once you enter in, there is a joy there that is inexpressible and filled with glory. There is a happiness and a safety and and an excitement that is not about anyone in there, but is fixed on who God is and what he has done. So we have been given this great privilege of enjoying God, and yet so often we can be distracted with other things. And I want to encourage us this morning that let us, if God has, if he sent Jesus to send and show the immeasurable riches of his grace to us, let's enjoy the immeasurable riches of grace that God has given to us in Christ. If he said, and if he's promised, and if God is true to his name, if God says that he has an ocean-like storehouse of grace for us to enjoy, then let's take, let's say God is true to his name, and each and every day, I want more. I want more of that grace. I want more of this God. I want to go back. I want to stay and live in this tower. I want to be where this God is. I want to trust that in him, there is fullness of joy. In him, I can be satisfied day after day after day, learning more about who he is. And when I struggle, when I sin, when I stray, when I turn from this God and, and the old man comes out, that, 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 that sin that still remains, I've been set free from the power of sin, but that sin that still remains in my heart and I begin to stray and I go into this world and I, and I return to that sin, let's be quick to go back. Let's be quick to say, to confess that sin. Let's not think that we have to earn this righteousness. Let's just remember that where our sin abounds, his grace abounds all the more. The doors are wide open. Jesus' invitation is not clean up and come. It is just simply look to me and come. It is a running. That, that image of running, it's faith. That's a picture of faith. It's a picture of going to something and going somewhere where I believe is the best thing that I can have. And I want to run and believe that God has made a way for me to know him and enjoy him through Christ. And I want to run to him. And so let's put ourselves in the way of grace. God has given us certain means of grace. I love what David Mathis says. He says, I want to get in the way of grace. So I'm going to put myself in a place where I'm going to receive grace. That's, and, and, and this isn't a secret way. This is the mundane, the seemingly mundane, ordinary, day-to-day spiritual disciplines that God has given us. It is reading the Bible. So when you open God's word, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm going to your storehouse of grace this morning. I believe that you are here. I believe that your word, that you speak through your word, that I can have fellowship with the living God. I'm going to open this and I'm going to receive grace this morning. I'm going to pray and fellowship with you. I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to fellowship with other believers. So for everyone who purchased the 250 everyday Bibles that we sold, what, what is so in, encouraging about that is that that is a means of grace that you can enjoy this year. 
God's word is precious. He speaks to us. You can know him. And so go to him this year. Go to him. Enjoy God in his word. We want to have eyes of faith. Something we can ask ourselves or make a regular practice of with eyes of faith is taking an account of God's presence in our lives. His presence, his protection, his provision, his wisdom, his guidance, and his grace. He, the great thing about God is that he is at work in every one of his children's lives. So if you are a follower of Christ, if God is your heavenly father, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, God is at work in your life. And, and, and what, what we get to do is we can sit and ask and see, how is God at work in my life? Take an accounting. How is God at work in my life? Enjoy him. He has buckets of grace that he just wants to pour on you. And remind you of his goodness. He's true to his name. He's made a way. And lastly, we are safe in our sovereign God. Point three, we are safe in our sovereign God. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. In the spring of 1750, the central discussion at Northampton Church in southern Massachusetts was, was not how to honor their faithful pastor for almost 25 years. Rather, it was how to get rid of him. In late June, the church held a series of meetings and they fired their pastor by a vote of 10 to 1. 253 voting members, 230 voted for him to be dismissed, 23 for him to stay. This pastor was Jonathan Edwards. And though it was said his firing was over doctrinal matters, meaning matters of truth and belief, Historians think this has something more to do with fiery congregants wanting him removed. There was a testimony of a sympathetic pastor in the area. His name was David Hall. And what I want us to hear this morning is that in the midst of all this happening in Jonathan Edwards' life, this is what David Hall saw in Jonathan Edwards. Listen to this. Edwards received the shock unshaken. I never saw the least symptoms of displeasure in his countenance the whole week, but he appeared like a man of God whose, listen to this, whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies and whose treasure was not only a future, but a present good. Overbalancing all imaginable ills of life, even to the astonishment of many who could not be at rest without his dismission. I love this. He was a man of God whose happiness, I love this, whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies. One of of the ways that our verse translates safety is that our safety is because God lifts us up. He sets us apart from our trials. He lifts us up to a place to where the things going on in this world, he can take us out of them. And and so that's what Jonathan Edwards, when he sees Jonathan Edwards, David Hall, what he is seeing is a man who believed that my whole life is about this God, a God in transvision of all things. So even in the midst of this hard, this trial, this church that I serve, they cannot touch his happiness because he was with his God. It's a powerful picture that that in the same God that is, is at work in Jonathan Edwards' life is at work in our life. 
It's the same God. It's the same God. So the life of safety that God promises is not one where you're completely removed from all forms of hardship and suffering, but like Jonathan Edwards, you're, 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 you're given the ability to see all that is happening. And so what we have here is, is you're able to see things with eyes of faith. I want to see life with eyes of faith. I want to see where God is at work, even in the midst of hard things. I can still walk through trials. I can still walk through hard relationships. I can still walk through financial difficulty, knowing and trusting that God is still at work in my life. He is still present. He is still working all things together for my good. Why do I think that? Well, he said it. And what he promises is true. He's true to his name. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? I have every reason right now to hope in God. He is our strong tower. We can trust in his name. John Newton. This is a quote that I found back in February or March. And this is something that I have gone back to time and time again. And it's a picture. It's more than just a quote. It's more the picture that he gives us that I think that I want to encourage us with, that, that I want us to remember. So just as I'm reading this, just think about, listen to the picture that he gives us and think about your own life right now. And as you think about the next year, just think about that. I compare the troubles which we have to undergo in the course of a year to a great bundle of sticks. Far too large for us to lift. But God does not require us to carry the whole bundle at once. He mercifully unties the bundle and gives us first one stick, which we are to carry today. And then another, which we are to carry tomorrow and so forth. We can easily manage our troubles if we would only carry the trouble appointed for each day. But the load will be too heavy for us if we carry yesterday's burden over again today. And then add the burden of tomorrow to the weight before we are required to bear it. We all have a bundle of sticks that we're going to have to carry. The goal here is not to compare the size of our sticks with one another. Hey, his bundle's a lot bigger than mine. Or hey, his is a lot, a lot smaller than mine. No. The point is, not, it's not even the sticks. The point is, is that God knows your life. He is so involved in each of our lives that He knows what we can carry. He knows when we can carry it. He knows how long we can carry it for. He knows who we can carry it with. And so what John Newton is calling us to, and as you think about this throughout the year and you see your pile of sticks, it's not just, wow, I got a pile of sticks. It's, okay, God who knows me and, and I can trust and is good has a stick. He has one for me to carry today. And he's going to give me a stick today. And I want to receive it by faith. And I want to trust him. And I want to spend this day not thinking solely about this stick, but thinking about, okay, Lord, I want to look to you. I'm going to set my heart on you, and I want to pursue you. And as I do that, I can carry this stick. He'll help me. He'll help me get through. 
I want to end with just an encouragement. I, I, I love the interchange between Jesus and Peter in John 6. Jesus had just finished some hard teaching on what it means to follow him. People are leaving and abandoning him. Jesus turns to the 12 disciples and he says this. Do you all want to go, go away too? And I love Peter's response. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I want to conclude this morning just with that. Where else can we go? Where else can we run? Where else can we find safety? Where else can we turn to? Who else can we run to besides our God? There is no other being in the universe like our God. There is no one who has the name like our God. There is no one who has done and achieved and promised and fulfilled and promised, made the promises that our God has promised. He has the words of eternal life. He has promised that one day He will return. So all this, we stay with our God. Where else can we go? I just love that. When you're tempted, like, Lord, where else can I go? I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be with you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. You have come to rescue me. You promised that one day you're going to make all things do. And so, so what I want to do is I want to build my life on the rock. I want to build my life in this strong tower. And I, I want to stay here. I want to stay here with you. Because our God, he is true to his name. And he has made a way. And we can know and are safe in his sovereign hands. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message given by Jake Simmons during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.